Welcome back, everyone, to the 104 podcast. We've missed you. We missed everybody that um, has been listening to us. We took a little bit of a break. It's the summertime. But you know what? We're back. And I'm your co-host, Herman Vijegas. And on the other side is a man that goes to museums but doesn't go to Moxie's. It's Elliot Tanti. <laughs> How are you? That's right. I don't go to Moxie's. <laughs> so that was one of the quotes I, that was used to describe Dougie Hamilton, by the I way. see. Yes. He goes to museums instead of Moxie's? Instead of Moxie's. <laughs> okay. Although Moxie's is like, I don't know. I have, I have a, it's an average, average restaurant. <laughs> I actually like to try and stay away from as many of those chains as possible and like find good local food and good local chefs. Yeah, exactly. Support local. Exactly. Yeah, come on. What's with you, Calgary Flames? Anyways, we're going to get into that in a, in a, in a bit here uh, with the 104 podcast. By the way, I, I don't think we've said this enough. Um, and I think we, I kind of need to say, because I was on um, the fourth line uh, a couple weeks ago talking about hockey. And he, you know, Carl from the fourth line asked me, um, you know, what, what's, why do you guys call it the 104? Well, we mentioned it in our first episode. We don't really mention it again. So do you want to tell people why we call ourselves the 104 podcast? Uh, it's a great, great question. Uh, it's because the new arena, the Edmonton Oilers play in, is on 104th and 104th. Mm-hmm. And you'll see kind of that intersection in our logo as well as our... Uh, the arena in there as well too. That's a that's the symbol for it. So yeah, that's why we call ourselves the 104 podcast. Yeah, we were also looking for something uh, simple, and then we made it incredibly complex by actually adding the letter O instead of the number <laughs> zero in the middle. So it's one letter O number four. That's our that's that's how you find us. That's how you find us. So and also like good for you guys to know, we actually do record on 104 too. So if you ever see us on 104. Give Sunday sh- mornings. Sunday mornings. Give us a shout out. Okay. Um, anyways, we have some stuff to cover. No hockey being played, but um, we do definitely. Well, I guess ha- that we haven't chatted since uh, Washington won the Stanley Cup. Correct. Yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, awesome. And I think Amazing. I picked him in five games, didn't I? You did. Pat <laughs> <laughs> yourself on the awesome. back, Elliot. <laughs> I'm the champion. Uh, yeah, Washington winning was a really cool thing. What did you think of Ovi's celebration stuff? Uh, I thought that, as usual, the media over- made it over way overblown. Oh, and, God, like, the media overblowing things? Get out of here. They went out. Like, like this shit didn't happen in the 80s and 90s with our lovely Edmonton Oilers bad boy teams. No, never, never. Like, the Philadelphia Flyers have never done anything yeah. like this. There's definitely not a story of, like, them leaving the Stanley Cup, uh, like, somewhere overnight. <laughs> somewhere. Um, <laughs> hey, you know what? It's been a long... It's taken a long time for Ovechkin to get to that place mm-hmm, and, and finally mm-hmm. get to do that. And uh, really solidifies himself as one of the best players of all time, I think, for sure. Yes. Is that? Certainly the best natural goal scorer. Uh, We've talked about. We've had that conversation in the past, and it was awesome. I really was cheering for them. I, you know, Me the Vegas story was cool and awesome and stuff. But you know, I They'll think it was time shot. for Ovi. Yeah, are they going to get their shot? Mm-hmm. Do you think they even make the playoffs next year? That's a good question. Maybe that's something that we can re back back into the season because I'm very curious what Vegas does in the off season. I'm very curious because they have a hell lot of a cap room um, and they have some targets that they can go to. Um, so I'm very curious what they do in the off season for me to speculate what, what they'll do in the season. I guess it'll be too early right now. Yeah, but saying that, if they go back with the same roster, I don't know. <laughs> I hope they make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's flurry good enough, basically. Yeah, and 
Washington, though, like Washington, I think, um, I, and you know, it's it, the window was definitely closing. Um, I could see them being back in the playoffs. I don't know if they'll be Stanley Cup contenders again, but at the same time, like, Washington, you mean? Yeah, Washington. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't know much about their salary and uh, salaries in terms of who's leaving and where mm-hmm. people are going, but certainly a good question. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Capitals, they're the only ones who did a draft day trade. They they traded Philip Grubauer um, to Colorado Avalanche. That's where it is. Um, and Brooks Brooks Orpik. Uh, Brooks Orpik was supposed to be bought out. They traded him instead. Um, they got, I think, a second-round draft pick in return. Uh, so pretty good. Uh, return for the Colorado Avalanche, and they have a they're another goalie. So I wonder what's going to happen with Varlamov too in that sense. So yeah, there you go. Philip Grubauer got traded. That's the only draft day trade that we have. Should we get into the draft? Let's do it. Okay. So did you watch the draft? I didn't watch it, but I followed it closely. Okay. Good. Good. What did you? Because think? you made me basically. <laughs> <clears throat> Because I like, never watch the draft, and I never really follow. I should have. I should have just texted Elliot. Yeah. Are you on it? Are you on it? Um, I was happy to watch. I was with my friend, and uh, we got a chance to watch the draft. And uh, I was more interested in what was going on with the trades. Nothing happened with trades in the first day, anyways. Um, but because I was curious of what Edmonton was going to do with the number ten pick. Well, and that it, was it, right? Like the everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about this going in, but like the rumors were abundant about the Edmonton Oilers putting the number ten pick on the table, and are, we're basically looking for a puck-moving defenseman. That was basically... Ryan Rashog had that pretty much confirmed. Shirelli said it. Shirelli basically said it. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, the stuff was rampant all over the place. Yeah. And I think, you know, there was lots of people that were really concerned about that. I know people like you who aren't exactly I was like, fans <laughs> of the GM. <laughs> uh, him, you know, potentially making another big deal, a third in three years involving the first-round uh, first round pick and maybe potentially not getting the best return on investment and then right. you and I fighting about it for the next year. Um, so... <laughs> common occurs with the podcast, yes. Yeah, yeah. That didn't happen, though. No. Enough, and I think it had to do with a number of things, but mostly just how wonky and out of left field everyone drafting ahead of Edmonton was. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think... Um, the Coyotes pick surprised me. The Rangers pick surprised me. The Montreal pick didn't surprise me because I knew they were going to go off a little bit off the board to get Kutniemi, um, who we talked about earlier at the, at the start of like like three quarters of the season. He was ranked like 20th or something like that. But he moved up in the draft before the draft even. But even then, it's still have a high pick. Uh, Zadina falling to Detroit, uh, which left... Um, Three, four great prospects left for the Oilers. It was Waldstrom, Dobson, uh, Bouchard, and Ty Smith. Um, maybe I'm missing somebody else in that. Oh, uh, it was Boquist. <clears throat> um, so, with that tenth, the Oilers were like, "We're not trading that." They were pick. pretty spoiled there. Yeah, they were All like of a sudden. Like, I think that you know, I feel like they probably. I don't know. I don't know enough to know if this is the case or not. But I feel like you probably have a couple deals in your back pocket. You're going to wait until the 10th round Maybe. Pick to see yeah. okay, who's available, who's not available, what's going to happen, and then you make a decision from there. I feel like that was probably what was going on, but as soon as you had all those players, and then obviously Bouchard was the decision that they went with um, fall, it was kind of like, yeah, we're not trading the pick anymore. And I wonder if they did the same thing when with uh RV. Maybe. Maybe. Because like, he was in play too, and then as soon as uh, Dubois got picked over Pugliarvi, I think they had an inclination that was going to happen, but they kind of like 
I think this one surprised them more often than, than the Pugliarvi one, just because Dobson, Wallstrom, Boquist, and Bouchard were highly touted prospects, and people thought there was no way that the Oilers were going to get them before number 10. Um, and when they had to get one of them, but not only just one of them, like they had a chance for all four of them. That was a big surprise for them, and Chirali would probably just shut the door after Well, that. all really good picks, too, and all things that the um, uh, organization needed. Mm-hmm. Now, let's move into... Mr. Bouchard, mm-hmm. what what do you have? What, what does Herman Central Scouting have on him? Tell me. I, I'm dying to know your your deep and uh, um, uh, all, with all the junior hockey that you watch and all the uh, <laughs> junior hockey articles that you read. But what, what's the uh, what's the scouting report from? Well, you know, I, I'm a big uh, London Knights guy. <laughs> so, anyways, Evan Bouchard is from the London Knights. He's London Knights, as you know. I don't know if you know this. You know if you know. But they're they're like a hockey factory, basically. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of picks that come out of the London Knights and a lot of good players that come out of the London Knights. And uh, um, they're <laughs> Evan Bouchard has some dynamite numbers. He had 89 points last season as a defenseman, by the way. <clears throat> right shot hand defenseman. Uh, he has a lot of potential in the in the in the high skill, the quarterbacking department. Um they said they still need to like. He's still going to go back to the London Knights next year. I don't expect him to be in the lineup next year. I really hope he's not in the lineup next year. Um, he needs to progress. They're already him. talking about how he's going to be in the lineup next year. Oh anyway. my gosh, <laughs> I don't think he needs to be in the lineup next year. But he does need to like work on his um, his skating a bit. But at the same time, eighty nine points is fantastic. He was the second overall in shots in the OHL as a player. Like. Not just second as a defenseman, not just second in his team. He was second overall in shots. <laughs> That's incredible. Do you know the thing called the London bump? Have you ever heard of this? The London bump? No. So apparently London, uh, the London teams generally will have a, a tendency to overplay their best players. Mm-hmm. And so it leads to like some really inflated stats. Yeah, That's something that you have to watch too. But I think that's a good example of that because he was playing on average thirty minutes a night on that team. He was. And anyway, it's not. That's not to say that that's like a fake stat or something like that. But I just learned about that this week. Yeah, um, it's interesting because I was when I was driving home from my friend's place, uh, I was listening to twelve sixty, and they were talking about the, exactly that, the London bump. Um, but even then, like eighty nine points is not something that's. Oh, that's that. insane! Like the, the last player that uh, was what was it, Ryan uh, was. It, Ellis? Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis was the only other player that had a very similar stat total. Yeah, he was the only other player that was already a defenseman over 80 points in that league. Um, so that's good. That's a good uh, place to be. Um, I really like Evan Bouchard. I really like uh, the fact that the Oilers got him. And I think Shirelli was really happy. in the. And he, he, I think he said it right after the draft. Uh, he said they were looking for a right hot, right shot defenseman. Did you and, see the video where he dropped the F-bomb? No. <laughs> What did he say? Oh my god! So it was like he was just—he was just starting his scrum, and I don't know who he was talking to. Mate, it might have been Terry Jones or someone. And he's been—he's like, "Well, yeah, Terry, you've been bothering me uh, for long enough about getting a right-hand defenseman, <laughs> <laughs> right-shot defenseman." And then he's like, "Oops, sorry," <laughs> and everyone started laughing. That's funny. <laughs> no, it's good. Maybe, maybe he does go on to Twitter. But I want to know what his burner account is. I wonder what. But, yeah, his Twitter burner account. He definitely follows the 104 podcast. One hundred percent does. <laughs> Finally, um, and he loves me and hates you. 
I can just be like, you know that Elliot person? Yeah, yeah. He's got some really good opinions. <laughs> Sending that guy free tickets, but he can't. He's not, yeah, he's not for his friend. <laughs> uh, Evan Bouchard, is, I think, is a great pick for the Oilers. And I yeah, think- it's really exciting. I mean, yeah. I understand why you like drafts so much. Uh, like... It's such a inspiring, exciting time. You think mm-hmm. about the future of your team and what's going to happen. And, yeah. And kind of, um, you know, the, the what-ifs and what could-bes and that kind of thing. And obviously, like, it's all downhill from here now. As, but <laughs> um, as expectations change and people hope that, you know, and they either met or they're not. But, yeah, the day of and the day after, like, it is really a fun time and really exciting if you're a hockey fan or a fan of any team to, like, just take a look at what the next two or three years potentially could look like. Yeah. And, um, like, right afterwards, the New York Islanders picked. They had two picks in a row. Towards the other, the Calgary Flames and uh, Travis Hamannick. Um They picked they, – they got two great picks because of what happened before. They got Noah Dobson and they got Oliver Wallstrom, uh, a winger and a defenseman. Yeah. Those two are great picks. I'm like – you're set up for a good five years if you keep those people like around. That's I think that the New York Islanders did really well in that, and, uh, and they got lucky with that. But at the same time, like that's what happens in the draft. I mean, like, it's really cool to see uh, those kids being so excited, um, and yeah, like I'm very happy with the with the way the Oilers like stuck with the pick and got a great pick out of it. So um, I'm happy with that. The next. Uh, the day after, um, in the second round, Ryan McLeod gets like McLeod, McLeod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets picked 40th overall in the second round. He's a center. Um, I'm just reading over uh, center winger, right? He has the capacity to do both. That's what yes. I understand. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with him. I think it's great that they're picking up some pieces for the AHL. The AHL really needs some support, especially in the winger department. Um, oh, one last thing on Bouchard. Yeah. Later birthday, too. October birthday. Yes. Which has major implications, I realize. Or I, I, yes. He, because he's a later birthday, he, uh, as a 19-year-old, he will get he will go to the AHL. He's got one less year pro, or one less year before he goes pro, right? Correct. That's Correct. Cool. And he's, he can only go to the mi- like the minors like one year, and then he can go to the AHL, which is great. It'll be good. So, Ryan McLeod. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah, no worries. Ryan McLeod... Um, I think, they, like I said, Bakersfield really needs some help in regards to winning their centers and, and forwards in general. They have a really good defensive backdrop. Their forwards, they need somebody to step up. Like, if somebody gets injured with the Oilers, they have to step up and kind of fill that fourth-line role. Um, so, hopefully, Ryan McLeod is somebody that can do that. Um, and you can see the Oilers are trying to, with the trades and with people that are trying to get, like, someone like Cooper Marity or somebody like somebody else, that they're trying to just fill in in the AHL to... To make them a little bit more well, they competitive. want to build some depth, depth, right? Yeah. They want depth in their organization, and when everyone's competing, your team's getting better. And we saw that a little bit in the year that was successful. Not so much last year. So yeah. it's about re kind of stocking that cupboard. Uh, Ryan McLeod, big guy. Yep. Play center or wing. Um, I understand he's one of those guys, though, that you have to be wary of because a lot of his success came from being able to skate faster than everyone else. Right, and, right. And that's usually a problem. And that's when, a Neil Yakupov problem. That doesn't really translate <laughs> always to the NHL when everyone can skate really fast yeah. backwards. <laughs> yeah, <no kidding. laughs> And it's like grown men, and everyone's got foot speed. So how does that, you know, that's just another thing to look forward to and see what happens in the future, right? <laughs> yeah, I was, <laughs> it's a different topic, but like I was, I was watching the World Cup yesterday, and I was watching one of my one of the my friends that plays soccer with me, and uh, 
I think it was it was Sweden versus Germany, and there was a chance where Sweden got like a like a breakaway in, and the guy, my friend is like, oh, like I feel like I would have made that pass. He's like, but then I realized. I could have ran for five minutes in this game, and then I would have been winded, and I would have been done. And I would have been done. <laughs> yeah, those guys average like nine and a half, ten kilometers a game. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. It's, and they're sprinting back and forth. I can't even imagine hockey players either. Just like I, I can't skate to save my life. And like, no, and I, I feel like. Yeah, like the quickness part of it for sure for Ryan McLeod needs to work on. And it's a good thing with the young kids that they can do that. And hopefully he'll have some chance in the AHL. Speaking of depth, <laughs> next pick. They traded up to get this pick. This is Olivier Rodrigue. What do you know of Olivier Rodrigue? Uh, I know his dad works for the Oilers. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everybody knows. I also know he was the number one North American goaltender on Central Scouting. Yes, he was. But not maybe the number one goalie available in the draft. It was up to debatable, and he wasn't picked first. No. He, was picked, he, or he wasn't the first goalie picked. He was the second goalie picked, but many assumed that he would be. Right. Uh, don't be testing me. I did my homework. I know you did. No, I, I you know... We get into this whole like we're gonna get into this whole conversation again about the Edmonton Oilers and like and nepotism and nepotism. <laughs> um, but actually, he might be the best goalie. Yes, if he was the best goalie in the draft, yeah, why not pick him up. You never know what you're gonna need out of your eighth stringer in the NHL. So agreed. <laughs> Maybe you never know. But you know what's funny? What do you make of this movie? The Edmonton Oilers just like getting bring, a bunch of goalies, bringing in so many goalies. Shirelli <laughs> oh. <laughs> is like. <laughs> Yeah, we need a goalie. So, so they signed the 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 KHL guy. Forget, I already forget his name. Yeah, <laughs> forget. Um, they they already have Talbot and they have Montoya. Uh, they still have Bressois. Um, Ellis the, now Ellis is retired. He's gone. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Ha- so they drafted Rodrigue, and now they traded for. Michael Hockey is his name? Hockey. 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 <laughs> his name is Hockey. H-A-W-K-E-Y. <laughs> yeah. That uh, was from Montreal later on in the draft. Correct. So they have a gamut of goalies now. Um, I don't know what the, the plan is in well, that. Well, I wonder if... Yeah, I mean, goalies... Teams always kind of need goalies. Like a bit, They're a bit like defensemen. Yeah. Um, if you've got three or four... Oh. NHL caliber defensemen, or uh, sorry, goalies, either playing backup or starters potentially. That's a incredibly valuable asset that you can use to, um, you know, pry a strong defenseman or a scoring winger on a good term and deal do out of th- another team. Do you think last year really scared them in regards to the Brassois thing? And all of a sudden they're like, Maybe overcompensating. Oh, absolutely, that. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think that that I think, and it all stems from one game. It was that Calgary game where yeah, Brasov sure. just totally fell apart, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they realized that they were, and there wasn't much behind him. Right. I think, and I think they realized that they if Brasov was the best rated goalie in their organization after uh, Talbot. Yep. Uh, the team that was, the guys that were there were not good enough, and they needed to do something really serious and really quickly. Um, and I mean, they got kind of lucky. Talbot was in and out of the lineup a little bit, mm-hmm. but we obviously had Montoya. They had to bring in Montoya, and, and they lost a draft pick out of that yep. to do it. Um, you don't want to be in that position again. You want to be able to trust your backup and your backup's backup too. Correct. Your AHL number one should be. You want to be able to at least 
<clears throat> play him a game in the NHL and not have him have a complete and utter collapse. Yeah. Maybe not the best, the greatest game, but he needs to be able to stand in there and make the saves he needs to. He needs to be competent. He needs to make saves. He needs to just, like, if you're not, I, we don't want you to be spectacular, but just be competent. Yeah. Just be in a fight where you can keep the game uh, in control. Um, I mean, I don't mind, like, what Persuad did last year was really eye-opening, and you could see in his body language that he was shaky, like he was nervous and shaky. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think, yeah, I, I really think the Oilers brass were like, we don't want that anymore. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, with the Rodrigue pick, like, you're right. He was the best goalie in the draft. Like, why not get the best goalie in the draft? Like, he could over, he could leap and bound over everybody else. You never know. Um, and in regards to nepotism, like, I don't mind this one as much because you're like, he's the best goalie in the draft. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't. Of course you get him, right? <laughs> like, there's no real... This is not somebody getting your kid because, oh, we're going to jump ahead over other people to do that. You know, yeah. this is... I feel this is a, a decent selection for the Oilers. Um, yeah. Anything else about Olivier Rodri? I mean, what does it take to... What does it take for someone to, like, develop and be a solid NHL player in the fifth round? <laughs> Coming out of the fifth round? Like, so the Oilers obviously gave up that fifth round selection to, to get up to this point, Right. Right fifth and a third or something like that yeah so you know for me people can get well worked up about that kind of stuff i don't think you do really I and i, I don't, really don't care either don't if you so. see a player that you want it's available and you have a chance to move up to get them especially in the later rounds i don't the percentage of the people that in the later rounds become nhl players that played more than like 100 games is pretty low eh? pretty low pretty low yeah i don't really care either so i don't and did you? I don't know. You didn't watch, it, but um, Sportsnet had a really interesting thing, and I, I remember reading about this. I remember hearing about this that they made a formula to say like what are the percentages, what are each pick are actually weighted, and so people make predictions of picking. Uh, say, for instance, if, if they have like the 19th pick, it's worth 0.37, and if you have the 40th pick, it's worth 0.15. If you trade both those picks, they amount to say 0.56, so they would be worth a a, a fifth or six oh, okay. or something like that. So it's very mathematical. <clears throat> and I think the Oilers realize that part. When it gets later down to the draft, those numbers are really nice. They're so low. Then. They're so low that it's just like there's not a point. Um, Kyle Duvas in the Toronto GM, the new Toronto GM, is very, very notable for like trading down picks. So he'll trade a high pick to get two lower picks um, because he wants quality. But in this case, the Oilers wanted quantity. I mean, quality over quantity. Um, and I think they did a really good job in the draft. I, I'm very impressed. Here, put this in a quote, Elliot. I'm very impressed with Peter Shirelli's <laughs> draft the strategies in the last two years. They've been really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's been a draft that's really I haven't loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't not liked from Peter Shirelli. I mean, obviously the Reinhardt deal was the low point, and that was only like he was like what in the job for two and a half weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Um, but even that draft, he ended up with some great players, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, they... So, yeah, that's the one thing that I've really... That's the biggest difference from the previous regime to the Shirelli regime. 100%. 100% agree. that uh, just, like, a lot more buy-in and in their draft strategy and, like, belief in what they're doing, for me, anyway. Yeah, I agree. I think they... I think Keith Gretzky... Um, again, the debitism part of it is kind of weird, but... He's done a great job with the draft. I don't. I don't fault him in that, and I think he did a really good job this year. And uh, um, kudos to the Oilers; like their their draft strategy worked out really well for them. 
uh, even making those trades and even making those signs. So, anyways, let's move on. Do you want to talk about the trades? Any trades that happened with the Oilers? <laughs> well, we kind of went into this. <laughs> I mean, everyone thought that every like, the world was going to fall down, and <laughs> like Nuge in the tenth for uh, uh yeah, Carlson. I don't know, like something crazy. Um, didn't happen. We're all happy. It didn't happen. Yes, we want to. I think yes. Last year, the last two years have been anomalies both ways. I think we're gonna end up somewhere in the middle this year, and that somewhere in the middle gets you, you know, you're hoping is probably like an eighth place finish, yeah, playoff run. Uh, just stick to the process and keep going. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, there were some crazy trade rumors going around. Oh, yeah. There was a Tory Krug rumor that was just before the draft started that was a little interesting and really. Uh, Confusing. And it's also- funny watching Oilers Twitter's face melt on something about something that hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's and I do that too. Sometimes I go in there, and I'm like, oh my god, oh yeah, please, by the way, please don't do that. <laughs> oh, okay, here we go. So last episode, you're getting into Twitter fights with Jason Greger. Uh huh. Now you're fighting Strudwick online. <laughs> I was fighting him. He was just telling me. He's like, "Oh, I saw, I saw what was said." He's like, "I, I, I got to, you got to play the game." I'm like, "Yeah, get out of here, Strudwick." <laughs> I told you, you just have to know because he played the game. Yeah, that's what he did. He tried to like one up like, me. He, again. He, you played the game. You, he, I, I, you have to have played the game. You. Um, <laughs> do we have to talk about like your behavior on social media? <laughs> what you don't want me to get into? Arguments with Jason Strudwick. I mean, I just don't know. It's like it, I didn't. I don't know. I don't know this side of you. <laughs> it's just my Twitter side. It's weird that I'm on a when I'm on the show where I'm like the least combative person. <laughs> it's my like. It's the only time where I get really combative on Twitter. Is just hockey because I realize I'm like it's hockey. Like <laughs> it's just a game. Like, but you're not going Twitter. after like randos with like you know pictures like fake names and oh shit. Oh. And pictures uh, as I dump my cream in my coffee. Uh, you're going after the big boys. Well, you know what? The big boys need to be called out every once in a while. <laughs> we need to, uh, you know, everyone has the same voice on Twitter. Actually, that's not true. But um, I don't know what Jason Strudwick was saying about, like, uh, what was it? What were we talking about? Concussions, fighting, fighting in hockey. Well, it's something to do with, I think, our next topic, which is like Milan Lucic and his presence on the ice, right? Yes, that's exactly what it was. Um. So, and I was like, "This is negligible." Like, well, I'm, I'm really up on my research this week. I'm ready you to were. go. You were. I'm very excited. I'm very, very happy with that. Um. So yeah, it was about that. And uh, you know what? Let's let's get into the meeting. We just think because nothing happened with yeah. trades. We don't want to talk about that anymore. Can I rant? Go for it. Okay. So look, we have a major issue in our city, and I think it's becoming. It's really disappointing and it's really frustrating for me as an Edmonton Oilers fan. It's part of the reason why we started this show. It's why I think this show is important, why I love doing it with you, because I think we have the same perspective on this. We drive players out Mm -hmm. of the city. It's the media, it's the fans, it's the Oilers' Twitter. It's impossible to avoid. If you're having a bad year or going through a bad stretch, it's impossible to avoid the constant attacks and vitriol yeah, that are laid against you. I'm beginning to believe that Edmonton might actually be the worst hockey market in the world for this. I know Toronto can be bad. I know Montreal can be really bad too. And people, there's always flare-ups and people that get really frustrated. But this is now third, fourth, fifth, sixth player that has been put in a position where they've requested a trade or a family member of theirs have demanded a trade or want to move because of how awful they're treated in the city. And I imagine that it goes beyond just what's said online. 
I imagine there's probably some examples of some inappropriate comments made on the oh, street. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Things that have said. I mean, Dallas, Dallas Eakins, say what you will about it, like got yelled at when, kid with, got in attacked. front of his kid. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know what it's going to take, and I don't know who who it's going to have to come from, but someone needs to stand up and say, "Look, enough is enough." I get that you're passionate about this team and you care about this team and you're you're interested in it, but like you're actually hurting the team by with your behavior not in the sense that and don't give me this oh they're millionaires they should be able to handle it no no that's I bullshit. don't believe in that no yeah. one th- no, we don't <clears throat> expect anyone in any other job no matter how much you're getting paid to be able to take verbal abuse mm-hmm. and online abuse that's not appropriate and it's never right and now all of a sudden oh because they're hockey players or they're sports players it's allowed like I don't know I just and for me I, it's so frustrating because I think Milan Lucic really wants to do well here and he made a big commitment to Edmonton when he came down here and met yep. with the team and saw they and it's sure he signed a great contract that was really good for him but you know he was an integral part of the team that had lots of success two years ago he had a tough year last year and we get that but it's like and I get his contract is big and that's something that we always have to deal with here is that, you know, very blue collar so your contract means that you're going to get heavily scrutinized but this is hurting the team and here's another example of it yeah I agree with that I think um the more, like, I have criticism with Milan Lucic and what his game was, but at the same time, he wasn't handcuffed or forced to sign an Edmonton contract. He chose to come here. Um, Charlie was the one who handed that contract out. And if any criticism should come, it should, and, and it needs to be like constructive, like, criticism, not personal attacks or vitriol that happens. It should go to the GM. Um, but for me on Lucic, like I'm, I'm just thinking of, uh, yeah. You mentioned Dallas Eakins. I'm, I was thinking of someone like, uh, I think last year Pat Maroon got attacked a bit too, and his wife actually had to go on social media and be like, "Stop doing this." Um, terrible. I, I hate that Edmonton is like this. Driven, Hall, yeah, Everly, yeah, and it, the whole thing still bugs me because it still happens. Like it's still people still crapping on his character his his so-called character in the room or whatever he caused the Oilers which I don't think it's very like it's all rumor based and it's all like it has nothing to do with anything and people who don't know anything and it's it all comes to what their what their emotional investment is on the team like if you can't separate yourself from the team itself or you can't separate your actual emotions from the team then that's that's a that's a check like you have yet that's a mental check you really need to take um and i'm very curious of what you said is like what would it take for some for the others to be like or the other fans or in the media and everybody else to be like okay let's not do this anymore i really feel like it needs to come from a player that's loved like if Connor mcdavid goes up and says like okay this is getting frustrating and annoying like i signed a contract here to stay here um, because I wanted to be he here. He could do it for sure. I don't think it's his place. I think, I think it's whose place would be that to do that. Well, I, this is what I'm thinking. I think it's a combination. It might be, um, you know, a Jason Greger and a Ryan Smith together. Yeah, making like a very bold and public statement. That's a member of the media and a, a, a beloved team, a person in the or like former team uh, player. Um, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, Wayne Gretzky would do it. And with the organization, I think 100%. that would be a really, I think that would really be a powerful stand. Um, 
I don't think you could you couldn't have Cates. It wouldn't be couldn't be Shirelli. It couldn't it be, could be anybody that that is already has like like already a power yeah, because you, then it feels like it's just like kind of you annoying. need to have someone that is yeah has a certain kind of standing and mm-hmm. uh, to just make a statement and say like this is this is what's happening when you do this. I understand that you're passionate and you and you're and you care. And there's lots of feelings about the team, and, and that's great. That's what makes Edmonton such a great place to play. But it's the recent stuff that's been going on. The crossing really the line part of it. Crossing the line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I agree with you, the Ryan Smith part of it and the Wayne Gretzky part of it. Those are Ryan I, Smith, Wayne Gretzky. I mean, I don't, th- I don't even think you could, you know, if Rashog or, uh, like, Bob Stoffer, none of those guys could do it. No, not, not just great. Maybe in maybe with someone else, like a former player or a player. Yeah, and I think it would be really important for, especially some media members. I would, I'm, and I don't think this is allowed to happen, but <laughs> like someone like Mark Spector saying, apologizing, for instance, I'm making up, making a thing and say, listen, this is what I wrote before. I don't stand by this anymore. Like I think of, yeah, um, like he's ever gonna do that. I know that's what I was like, and I don't think that would do it either. I don't think you can be a member of the media. I think it needs to be like an elder in the hockey community that's got a good connection to Edmonton. I think it's got to be a former player. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, but you're right about that. I, I, I'm kind of sick of that that vitriol that happens. It sucks that like like I said, I have um, my criticisms on Milan Lucic and his game and what he brings to the Oilers, but at the same time, like for him to say like I need a I need to get out of here because the culture here or the the environment here is not the best for me. That's to me. That's yeah. The only bad place thing. I'm safe is at my home or at the rink. Anywhere in between those two places or outside of that, I don't feel like particular. I don't feel welcome. Welcome. Yeah. That's that to me is a that's is a major that's major like uh, bad mark. I mean, the majority think. of people that live here and work here and care about the Edmonton Oilers, like they're they're from here. They yeah. were born here, so you have that like natural connection to this city, and you can put up with some of its faults or its tough winters or. You know, bad roads or whatever, right? Um, because it's your hometown. Bad hockey team because it's your hometown. Yeah. But like, these guys don't have that same connection. No, they Some don't. Some of them may have been drafted here, but even still, like, the dis- the crazy decision it is to like move from L.A. to Edmonton to be you know the assistant captain yeah. and and be a leader off the ice and on the ice and yeah, it's very. It's a it's, hard choice to make. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, and so we're seeing it here. But anyway, yeah. end of my rant. No, that's. I think that's a good thing to say, Elliot, and I'm happy that you said it. Um, uh, regards to me and Lucius, the last thing I heard is that Shirelli will kind of uh, put a wait-and-see approach. And the good thing with Shirelli, too, because after that whole thing with the trade, he said, <clears throat> I'm not dumping him. Um, I want to get a good hockey trade. And it looks like he didn't find that, so he's going to stick with him. Cool. I think that's a great decision. I think... When you do a trade, you don't want to trade in a position of weakness. And he found that. He's like, okay, I have to become trading in a position of weakness. I'm just going to stick out. The most Milan Lucic will do, I think, is that he's going to keep in a steady room. I'll be very surprised if he stays up in his points system. But I'm glad that Shirelli and I'm glad that McClellan are giving him another chance, an opportunity. And we'll see what happens. I I like. I, I'm I wish I'm going to predict right now he's having a back, back, bounce back year and this will all kind of fade away. I hope so. I hope so. That would be great for both Lucic and the Oilers. Um, speaking of other players, Griba getting bought out. Uh, this is an interesting move. Um, he w- he could have been in the AHL for a year, and his contract would have been gone. But it looks like they're needing some cap space. Um, do you un- do you know why? <laughs> well, it, this actually takes more cap space, doesn't it? Yeah, that it takes more issue. cap space. Yeah. So here's my thought. I don't know. I don't. I don't know enough about the CBA, and I'm not going to pretend like I'm an insider. 
Um, but if Greiber retires this year, it's the same cap hit as if he gets bought out, correct? Correct. So I think it was sort of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If you don't mm. buy me out, I'm going to retire. Mm-hmm. But if you buy me out, you know I've been a good I've been a good soldier for the last two years here. I've done I've done my time in the press box. I've done my time in the A. I've worked as hard as I could as a six D. And I think that there's always that that kind of like general manager will say, yeah, I'll manage buy you out. You get a bit of a bonus here, yeah. And then uh, maybe you can get a contract somewhere else. Um, and then it's yeah, because uh, otherwise they're just going to retire anyway, right? Yeah, you're right. It is an interesting move, and I'm pretty sure Shirelli already had the idea of putting him in the NHL. But like, maybe you're right about that. Maybe he he was going to retire, and this is a better way for him. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Matt Banning getting signed. Um, One point five, I think it was the AVV for two years. I think it's a great signing. Yeah, totally. I, I really like Matt Manning. Took a step back last year, but hey, there's lots of excitement about him, and I think you know just can allows for a continue to grow and the important thing with Matt Benning as is often the case with most defensemen in the NHL and particularly with the Edmonton Oilers is that he plays the appropriate amount of minutes in the appropriate amount of situations mm-hmm. <clears throat> so and he's going up his projection is still going up yeah so. he certainly hasn't hit his ceiling yet that's for sure mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. would say um, the other one signing. Kajula this one was a little bit more controversial Kajula got signed yeah and it was like one point two or years. two two years I think it was like a 1.75 or 1.5 mil, something like that. Something like that. Like just on the cusp of like enough to make everyone on Twitter lose their minds about (laughs) how much it costs for him to be signed. Yeah, what do you think about this? I don't know. It's like, what's the total? Like, I don't even know the total. 1.5 over two years. Like, really? Are we going to get worked up about that? That's the thing that's going to bug us? I think it's more to do with the player than to do with the money. I think the... I think what they felt is that he got overpaid. Yeah, um, definitely got overpaid. Yeah, especially consider- or that definitely that's what the issue is that they got that he got overpaid. Yeah, especially considering like I think Matt Benning got um, got signed for close to the same amount. I think Matt Benning's a better player than Kajula um, with a better projection. I think people were concerned that you can find a player like Drake Kajula on the UF like on. On the open market without spending that much money. I mean, I can appreciate that to a point, um, but you're never going to know for sure his capacity, that player's capacity with Connor McDavid. And what we saw was some, at, time, at least times, capacity to play and work well with Connor McDavid. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm very curious. I don't mind Drake Julius player. I know we've put him in our in our uh, improved category a couple times, and also put him in our really bad category a couple, a couple times yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um i'm curious about his projection he is getting a bit of a pay pay raise i'm also very curious as because the Oilers are becoming are coming into cap problems now um i'm curious of what's going to happen with these other players like specifically specifically speaking about zach casting because zach casting is getting paid pretty highly to be a fourth liner i'm curious if something's going to happen with him but anyways that's very much speculation i'm just that's very much speculative for me. Um, moving on for that, another contract news. Uh, word yesterday, they're extending off, extending the orders extended offers to Nurse, Strom, and Stapashev. Um, these are all good news. I really hope. Yeah, well, that's uh, you know this is the part of the restricted free agency process now. Yeah, there'll be an opportunity to um, either sign those deals or go to arbitration. Yeah. I'm very. I'm. I'm not surprised about Nurse and Strom that you know that those players were going to be um, selected by the Oilers to move on with the team. Slepashev is kind of a interesting one. I thought Slepashev was on the outs on the organization, 
but I'm glad that they're extending an offer for him. Yeah. Yeah, nothing. Like, I like I like Slabashev. We like his game. Maybe it's enough to get him to come back. I hope so. That'd be great. <sighs> Anyways, that was a long one. <laughs> it is noteworthy. Lots going on. Lots going on <laughs> for... Um, well, we've ha- been away for a while, too. We've been so. away. So uh, we'll be back. We're going to talk about our big topic about uh, stepping away from the others, but still involved with hockey. So we'll go from there. See you soon. All right, welcome back. We're here to talk about our big topic, um, which I kind of brought in because of the Dougie Hamilton trade that happened just yesterday. We're recording today, the 24th today? Yeah. Anyways, um, Dougie Hamilton got traded uh, along with Adam Fox and Michael Furland to the Carolina Hurricanes for Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm. Um, The trade is not the thing that I'm most concerned about. It's what happened after the trade. Uh, there was an article in Sportsnet by a writer named Eric Francis, who is, I would say, like the David Staples of Calgary, <laughs> if you want to call it that way. I'll have, I'll have heard of Eric Francis have not been good. It's been like very much a, uh, just putting the back, the shift at the, on the back of players sometimes. A, kind of a homer. Um, he mentioned that there was something else to do with the Dougie Hamilton thing that he was kind not fitting into the dressing room um, and he's very curious as to why a 24 year old stud defenseman gets traded twice in his career um, and he made these assumptions that there's something going on behind the scenes but he never really mentioned it uh, Mark Shannon on on the radio said that the, the quote that I started the podcast in he said Dougie Hamilton likes to go to museums instead of going to moxies for the team um, he reads a lot of books he's kind of an introvert um, yeah and I think that's the reason why he didn't really fit into the locker room um, first of all what do you think of this Elliot what do you think of this whole scenario do you think it's kind of a mess so okay Dougie Hamilton had a good year last year. He had didn't a really he? good year last year. He was probably one of the best defensemen in the league. And Calgary did okay, not as well as they wanted to. They didn't make the playoffs. They're really upset about that. He was their best defenseman. Yeah. And played really well and had a great year. Yeah. So what does it matter? <laughs> That's my question too. What does it matter if he's an introvert or if it, that he doesn't like going to like team functions and moxies? And get there like guacamole, which is. It's not I mean, bad. I think I, I the, the, you know what's frustrating me about this is that this author or this this reporter's story is probably like ridiculously accurate, and there's yeah. a bunch of hockey guys in Calgary who are like, you know, upset about how much of an introvert he is, and they're willing to put that over the fact that like he had a good year. Yeah, yeah, I. I'm so like, it's this bugs me a lot because I just don't get it. Like I like yeah, it's, it's like not everyone has to be like. Is he fighting with players? Is he being a jerk? That's the thing. No one has said anything about the, like the only thing that they have said was um, that there was a problems. Here's I'm just pulling up the article, um, and that this was an addition by subtraction. Eric Francis called it addition by subtraction. 
but no one is actually detailing what exactly happened. And not to say like, like if there was an actual like, for instance, like if there was like an intramarital affair or like something crazy. If something that, happened and there's like a, a real tension or something like that, yeah, then, or like I, a fight. then I can I can understand that to a point. Um, I mean, no workplace is like it is, is in no workplace is ever is everyone compatible. It's just right. kind of how it is. Yeah, and you know. Some people aren't like, let's go to Moxie. Some people are like, I want to read books and go to museums, and that's fine to do that. But if yeah. there's another, if there's an, what I'm trying to say is, if there's an underlying thing here, then then there, this makes a lot of sense. But if it's because he's an introvert, it, it, that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any but sense. It but it wouldn't surprise me if that was the reason why he got traded. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me either. Which is one of the worst part of hockey cultures that I just, I personally don't understand. It's funny because I just watched um, Moneyball again. I love one of my favorite sports movies. Um, you know, Billy Bean changing the the, the culture around baseball, um, and I feel like if Billy Bean in that time was managing this club and was saying like, and if a bunch of agents were like, "Oh, you know, Dougie Hamilton is not he's not a good hockey, you know, he just reads books, doesn't hang out with the team." I'm sure Billy Bean is like, "Okay, what is it? What's the stats? Oh, he's got 17 goals last year. Okay, that's the best of any defenseman in the league, right?" It's like, "Yes." I don't give a crap if he reads so many books. He's he, he's doing his job. Yeah, he's doing his job Who on the ice. Cares? Who cares what he does off the ice? Like, maybe that's what helps him. Maybe that's what makes him better. Like, how do? Okay, so I guess there's a question. It reminds me like the it's it's like the anti or like the opposite PK Subban story. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like it's like this guy was like, like too quiet so he got moved to a team in the America instead of being too loud and getting moved to a team in America like it's just for me I just sit there you know and I'm like come on is this really what we're going to be talking about here yeah but obviously there's the frustration like I don't know I just this kind of stuff for me I just can't stand because no one's in the dressing room no one really knows right if he's an introverted guy he's an introverted guy but he's playing well yeah I don't get it. If there's a reason why, if he's, you know, causing conflict in the dressing room or, uh, you know, is, you know, um, there's a major rift, which could mm-hmm. be the case. Could be the case. No one's reported that. No one knows that. This is like some speculation piece from uh, some guy, a, reporter. a reporter. So, like, then, okay. I'm, I'm very, okay, the one thing I, one of the media things that I hate is the... The kicking somebody while they're leaving town. Steve Simmons did it when Phil Kessel left town. The whole the famous hot dog story. Uh, it happened to Dougie Hamilton too when he left Boston. It's happening again when he's leaving Calgary. I'm pretty positive it's happened in Edmonton when I know the Taylor Hall thing obviously was the big one. Um, why? Why Eberly. the Eberly thing? Why that we have to? all these like stories coming out after they leave what is in an the- attempt to justify the move yeah I hate it I hate it I, it's such a like low brow well it goes back move. to what we were talking about earlier around the idea of like you know us pushing people out of cities and like or fans pushing people out of cities and being like super negative and unfairly treating people and I just I don't know, but I mean, the, the issue is, we're talking about this. Right. You read the article. Right. That guy gets clicks. They sell ad space on that. We're looking at the yeah. article again now. Now. I guess. So there's a market for it. 
Um, and, uh, you know, that's the frustration for me as well, too. I mean, I don't know. I wish... It's too bad that Dougie... It's too bad that Calgary is in the same... Uh, uh, um, division as the Oilers, because he would have been a really good fit here. In he would have uh, loved Dougie Hamilton and the Oilers. Um, I'm just looking at the stats. Um, in Boston, before he got traded in Boston, 42 points in 72 games. Um, it was a minus three, but he's one of 42 points. That's amazing. Went to Calgary, 43 points. Next next season, 50 points. Next season, 44 points. Look at his goals, 10, 12, 13, 17. He's a dynamic offensive defenseman. Um, he was drafted number nine in 2011. Like, he is a great player, and you're training him. Like, And the whole reason is because... Well, they're getting some younger pieces, obviously, and Norna Hannafin and Elias Lindholm. He's still a coveted prospect, but at the same time, he is—he was their best defenseman. It just makes no sense to me. It's like trading—it's like trading uh, like Drysaddle because he's—I don't know—it doesn't fit in because he's German or something like that. <laughs> like it's—it makes no sense to me. I'm totally with you. I'm totally I, with you. I don't get it. So. This is the kind of stuff that just makes my skin crawl and makes me hate the NHL and hate hockey. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, I love hockey, but I hate the NHL sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and the reporters that cover it. <laughs> I guess this is a question for our listeners. I guess um, maybe, uh, how would you deal with this in this scenario? Like we've mentioned it in a sense of. Um, letting them the numbers speak for themselves but we do know that team chemistry is an important factor like if a player for instance is not getting along with another player um that does affect the dressing room at the same time though if they're getting results on the ice like how would you go around fixing that do you know what i mean it's a tough question because it's it's sort of like it's it's situation specific yeah but I don't know. Okay, for instance, let's pretend that Dougie Hamilton is like let's let's hear that he's an introvert. He is doesn't like going to, going to like team breakfasts or team functions. He'd rather just like sit by himself and just do his thing. Come to the dressing room and come like. And I know I see most people do that, and and I know that rubs some people off the wrong way. But like that's just his thing. Like what what would you do to get? the club to kind of play along um leave him alone <laughs> <laughs> he has to come to like a Christmas party once a year and like I don't know like uh the, you know the function to kick off camp <laughs> otherwise he can do whatever the hell he wants if he's the best player on the team the, the best defenseman on the team <clears throat> I'm just picturing he's like tired of this Bullshit! <laughs> it's just, I'm just picturing like like a Christmas party where they do like Secret Santa, like and the, be... you know the coach can just be like build a relationship with the coach. Like the coach, you know, you need a relationship with your coach. You obviously he obviously does have some relationship. He's got some skill. He's, yeah. he's playing the system to, to the best to, of any of the defensemen there. Like he doesn't necessarily. There's more than just a team there too. Like yeah. there's like a whole organization, including like a coaching staff that works intimately with all of those players. Yeah, I'm sure. There's someone that had a relationship with Dougie Hamilton in some capacity. Otherwise, he couldn't have been as successful as he was. So yeah, it's true. It's true. It's like I, I, I just you know I just lose my <laughs> mind about this stuff. 
I lose my mind about this stuff. I just picturing like a Christmas party with a secret Santa and like Matthew Kachuk sees like oh I'm getting a oh, a, a present from Doug. Oh, oh it's oh it's uh, it's a brief history of time by Stephen Hawking. It's like he keeps <laughs> like I can't even read the words in this. Yeah. Book. <laughs> it's like, Doug is like you should read this Matthew. It's a good book. That changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotta get rid of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew we had to trade him when he gave Stephen Hawking's book for like, that secret Santa. That's what it is. That's, that's the straw that broke the uh, Anyways, that's all we have for the 104 podcast. We talked a lot about the Oilers, even though there wasn't a whole lot of news. We still have opinions, and this is great. And I think we had a really good conversation, specifically around uh, what's going on with the players in Edmonton. Um, Free agent season is going to come up soon. Maybe stuff like while you listen to this, maybe some stuff already happened that we haven't even talked about yet. I mean, it's eleven, it's twelve o'clock on a Sunday. Maybe while you listen to this, uh, Milan Lucic got traded for Dougie Hamilton. I don't know. <laughs> you never know. Uh, so just that keep was that. Like, it- uh, that was your dream last night, wasn't it? Oh my god! If that would have happened, I would have been like, if Chris Russell got got traded for Dougie Hamilton, I would have been like, you know what? I forgive Shirley for everything he's done. <laughs> Um, oh man anyways um, we'll be back uh, pretty soon Uh, Elliot is going to go on vacation here Um, you're pretty excited I can tell I can't Uh, wait yeah so we're going to get a a guest to go on the 104 podcast and uh, we're going to talk about free agency so that's going to come up next pretty soon here um, regards that, Elliot, is there anything else that you wanted to mention? That's it. I'm already looking forward to our next episode. <sighs> me too. Me too. Um, thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening to us. And uh, keep a like us in the... Oh, make sure you subscribe to the 104 Podcast. If you see us on Apple Podcasts or the Google Podcast thing that just came out, t- take a look at that. Um, make sure you subscribe to the 104 Podcast. You can find us at 104 for pod on Twitter or just look for 104 podcast. You can even find us on Spotify. Spotify is Alexa, pretty- play 104 podcast yeah. on Spotify. Yeah. Okay, Google, play 104 podcast. There you go. Hopefully Alexa, that, that's, that, that's, that's going <laughs> to help you. <laughs> Anyways, have a wonderful week, everyone. We'll see you next time on the 104 podcast. Bye.